Yes, people, you know what time it is. Right, right, right. It's another echo chamber coming at you. And yeah, it's, it's a good one, people. Well, I mean, we got a, a good few films we're looking at. You feel me? All right. So as we do, we're going to start off with the UK box office top 10 for the weekend of the 11th to the 13th of November. So at number 10 this week, it is uh, Ticket to Paradise, right? This is written, well, this is directed by Ollie Parker, who co-wrote with Daniel Pipsky. It is starring George Clooney, Julia Roberts, Caitlin Deaver, Billy Loud, Lucas Bravo, Maxim Butler, Vanessa Everett at number nine. It is the, um, it's One Piece Red, right? Which is a One Piece movie. This is directed by Gortanyuki. Um, written by Tatsumo Kawawa and Brooklyn El Omar. Okay, so we got Amalie, Daniel Bauer, Luki Christian, Chow, um, Colleen Clinkenbird, Jim Fordona. Yeah, I feel it's a cartoon, right? Yeah, I don't think it is a live action piece. So, but you know, who knows? Who fucking knows, man? Um, at number eight. We have got Triangle of Sadness. So this is written and directed by Ruben Istland. Um, and it's starring um, Woody Harrelson, Alicia Erickson, Timolin Gorkikos, Dolly D. Leon, Vicky Berlin, Janice Mustos. Charles B. Dean, Harris Dickinson, and Forbis Forward. Okay, so that means, people, number seven is Smile. Right, Parker Finn wrote and directed, starring Jesse T. Usher, Sozie Bacon, Kyle Garner, Cal Penn, Caitlin Steezy, Judy Reyes, Rob Morgan, Gillian Zinza. Uh, so at number six, Pray for the Devil. This is from Daniel Stam, and it is written by Robert Zapia. Um, story from Todd R. Jones and Earl Ritchie Jones, and it's starring Virginia Madsen, Jacqueline Byers. Colin Salmon, Nicholas Ralph, Ben Cross, Christian Navarro, Tom Forbes, Lisa Palfrey, Deborah Zavia. You know me. And so now we are in our top five, five. At number five, people, it is the new film from Oliver Hermanus. 
Right. Written by Kazuro Ishiguro. No, Kazuro wrote the book, right? Um, Akira Kurzawa adapted it for the screen. Um, the film is starring Bill Nye, Amy Lou Wood, Alex Sharp, Adrena Rowlings, Hubert Burton, Oliver Chris, Michael Cochran. Okay, so at number four, we have got the Banshee of Ishern. This is written and directed by Martin McDonough, Colin Farrell, Brendan Gleeson, Kerry Condon, Barry Keegan, Pat Short, Gary Lydon, David Percy, Sheila Fitton, John Kenny, and Brittany Nietzschean. So top three people, Lao Lao Crocodile is still there. So this is from Josh Gordon and Will Speck, written by Will Davis, adapted from Bernard Wapper's books. And we've got Constant Wu, Javier Bardem, Scott McNeary, Brett Gelman, Sean Mendes, Winslow Fegley, Sal Viscuso, Don DePata. Um, yeah. At number two, it is Black Adam. So this is from uh, Jamu Colette Sarah, written by Sarab Nashavani, Roy Haynes, and Adam Shiziku. Starring Dwayne Johnson, Viola Davis, Sarah Sashi, Pierce Bronson, Addis Hodge, Noah Cantino. Adea Halavevi, Josh Gap, uh, Quintessa Swindle, Natalie Byrne, Muhammad Amar, right? But people, you knew it was going to get there. The number one film this week, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever. Ryan Coogler is back, and he co-wrote with Joe Robert Cole. We got um, Angela Bassett, Danny Garcia, Latif Wright, Lapita Nogengo, uh, Tenuk Coretta, uh, Lake Bell, Martin Freeman, Florence Kasuma, Michaela Cole, Dominic Fawn, Winston Duke, Richard Skiff, Mabel Cadena, Maria Mercedes Corey, Alex Lavilli. Um, Kamara motherfucking Usman is up in it, Zayed de Baco and Janisha Adams Ginyard. So, yeah, that's our top 10 people. As I said, we've got four films this week again. So, shall we get to it? I think we should. Let's go. Okay, people, so we're going to kick things off with a new Apple joint. It is time for Causeway. All right, people, so, yeah, I remember a little while ago reading about this film, Causeway, that 
seemed to be locked away, not coming out. Then all of a sudden, Apple pick it up. So yeah, it's um it got released, right? It is directed by Lila Nubura. Hmm. I feel I butchered that, but there you go. Uh, it is written by Orteza Moshfe, Luke Gubel, and Elizabeth Saunders. Uh, the film is then produced by Justin Karochi, uh, Jennifer Lawrence. It is executive produced by Lila Nuber, Christopher Sergeant, Sophia Lynn, Jacob Jafka, Kirk Michael Fellows, and Patricia Clarkson. Um, it is co-produced by Luke Gubel, uh, Louise Lovegrove, um, Ortasia Moshfrey and Jeffrey Penman, and it's associate produced by Ed Wasserman, Grace Potter. Yeah, that's it. Okay, Alex Sommers handles the music, Diego Garcia, the cinematography. It's edited by Robert Frazen and Lucian Johnston. Ellen Chenoweth handles the casting. Jack Fisk, production design. Art direction is Matthew Gatlin and Timothy Stewart Hildebrandt. Uh, with Adam Wills, set decoration. And Heidi Bivens, costume design. Do -do -do. Hair and makeup. We've got Ashley Treadway. Dina Siwak, Remy Sava, April Mel-Erin Mains, Ashley Kent, Marcus Gonzalez, Robin Fredericks, and Johnny Bullard, and our cast. Well, Lindsay is played by Jennifer Lawrence. Um, we have then got James played by Brian Tyree Henry. Um, there is Jim played by Danny Wolan. Uh, Sharon played by Jane Huddyshell. Uh, Gloria is played by Linda Emmond, Rick Frederick Weller, uh, Santiago is Sean Caravaggia, Dr. Lucas Stephen McKinley Henderson, uh, her brother is played by Will Pollen, Justin is Russell. So, um, yeah, that's probably our main uh, 
Yeah, our main group. Right now, the gist of the film is this. Lindsay, a U.S. soldier, experiences a traumatic brain injury during her tour in Afghanistan, which forces her to return home. She struggles to return to her daily life with her mother as she waits for her eventual eventual redeployment. So, uh, yes, there you go, people. There you go. Um, yeah, this is an interesting film. Really is, it, it, it's very much a, a, a slow burn, right? It's, um, kind of reminds me, there was a, a Sophie Capella film. And for like me, I can't think of what the fuck the name. And it, I think it started Ethan Hawke. Not a lot happened. I think it was Somersault, maybe. But I enjoyed it, right? And I don't mind a slow-paced film, right? So... At the start, she's really in a bad way. Like, she's, you know, being looked after by this old woman in a wheelchair, just all of this, and we're watching this slow recovering. And then when she finally is able to do most things for herself, then she moves, right? She goes back home. And... We get to kind of just see all of this, her trying to get back into life, right? Um, now, Tyree Henry, uh, he's a mechanic, so her truck breaks down, and she goes to uh, get it fixed. And James, you know, he's, he fixes the car for her, the truck. And they slowly get this friendship going. And I think some of the real nice moments of this are in these quiet moments, right? It's these quiet little interactions that are really the strength of the film, right? Where we see the uncertainty of the situation. You know, that, that, that's where it really shines, I feel. Right? There's some other things going on that, mm, I don't know. Right? I mean, the, the recovery at the beginning, like, we don't really see the full transition of it all. You know what I mean? There's, a, there's little bits, but I feel... That could have been explored a little bit more, right? But it doesn't have to live and die on that part, right? Because we've we've definitely seen films which explore that more, right? Or just about that. So we, I'm not saying it has to be, you know, this whole thing, but just a little bit more, just to because I think this is about her headspace right the way she's coping with all of this you know her her kind of being is you know in her work right she wants to get back to that right just because that gives her a sense of self but also it's her escape escape from all the other shit so i think 
there's there's there is stuff to play with there. You know what I mean? Because I think we really then can see, you know, how she's doing fully, right? And, and why she wants to get back so badly, you know? There is a, a, a very clunky situation around sexuality, which I just thought, mm, I mean... It, it, it just felt clunky, right? It, it just felt really clunky. It's, it's like, I think it, it's not that it got brought up because that's not even the thing, but like the situation had been handled and you think you would just have left it like that. But then this other thing gets said and then afterwards this other thing gets said and it's just all a bit like, Man, this felt real kind of clunky. This didn't feel natural. And there was a few things like that, like later in the film, uh, like I was really hoping they this thing wouldn't happen. I, I felt they're going to do a thing. And they did do the thing. And it was just like, ugh. I, it felt unnecessary. You know, they, they, because both characters have their own trauma, right? And I think we could have got to, if you wanted a certain thing to happen in the story, we could have got there without the other thing happening, right? Because the other thing just didn't, it felt forced again. And yeah, there's all this other stuff is natural because we we've already had that seed sown. We know those things about these characters, so you you definitely could have got to the place without this weird fucking thing going down, you know. So that was odd. Um, oh, there was a bit in the in the prison with subtitles, like, because a character is deaf. And so the, the you know, the interaction is captioned, right, because it's sign language. There's a bit where there's no captioning, and it's just like, wait, why wouldn't you caption this segment? I, did, I was a little baffled by that. I'm like, why what is happening here like how does this make any sense whatsoever not to caption it you know it just felt a little weird felt a little weird oh dear i don't know like i did i i yeah there's stuff about this film that i really liked and but there's stuff that felt a little bit flat right and not flat in well not much was really happening no no no, no. just emotionally right that the, there was these things that happen but you don't really lay the groundwork for it right it, it doesn't make sense in the context of what we've seen but there is promise in the film, right? You can see why it might have been sitting around. Because I don't think this is a cinema film. 
right? So I think it's golden, it's on Apple. Because I think you can just, yeah, I think people are more likely to find it this way than, you know, go, ah, do I want to see that in the cinema? Or do I want to go and see these other things? You know what I mean? Is the performances are very good. Like Brian Tyree Henry is very good in this understated way. You know, what he gives us, this character who's just uh, trying to deal with life fucked up by some things that have gone down, you know, decisions that were made. You know, he's trying to live with that. Jennifer Lawrence, you know, trying to get over, you know, this traumatic brain surgery, just all of that, right? The old woman at the beginning that helps her. I, it, it's just her story. That's just the act, those acting moments are, are just really good. You know, it's, it's just there's places in the script that don't necessarily do the performances justice. Let's just say, and this, and, and you know, yeah, story and words aren't maybe as solid across the board as the acting, but it's interesting. It's definitely an interesting one. So, I mean, if you've got Apple Plus people, I would just say, yeah, I definitely check out Causeway. You know, it would be interesting to know. How many veterans, right? How they feel about it. If, if they think it represents the experience, you know? Although the experience is going to be different for everyone. So, I don't know. But yeah, it's on Apple Plus now, people. Causeway. Okay, people. And up next, we have got two exes vying for a bar. It is bar fight. Okay, people. So we have a new film from feature directorial debut director. Yeah, that was a messed up sentence. But Jim Mahoney writes and directs Bar Fight. Uh, the film is produced by Sarah Gabriel, Mark Goldberg, James Harris, and Mark Lane. It is executive produced by Mahoney, Marina Sanjurjo, Andrea Sarso, uh, Thomas Yankovic, uh, Jamie Jessup, and Peter Bevan. It is co-produced by Nicholas Chow and line produced by Brianna Lee Johnson. Peter Moisman handles the cinematography, Nicholas Wenger, the editing. Casting was from Claire Kuntz and Charlene Lee. Costume design is Abby Martin. Uh, hair and makeup, we've got Kelsey Peterson and Sherry Selis. 
production management is Amy Geist. And our cast. Well, we have got Nina, played by Melissa Vermeiro. She's got a best friend called Chelsea, who is um, played by Rachel Bloom. And then there's Nina's ex, Alan, played by Luca Jones, and his best friend, Milan, played by Julian Garns. Right? And so it's all set around a bar, hence bar fight, right? And so the bar is managed by Dick, played by Vic Saha. Uh, he's got his employees. There is Jazz, played by Shante Saladana. We've got Mason, played by Daniel Dorr. We have got um, Eleanor, played by Dot Marie Jones. Um, ooh, who else is in the bar? And do, 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 do. Yeah, I mean, there's Florida, but I cannot remember her friggin' name. Um, yeah, I can't remember Florida's name. But, yeah, another girl in the bar. The IMBD is terrible. I, I will say that. Uh, also, we have got Nick Pazinkas, who plays a guy in a fedora. Um, Dino Nicodorus plays Cameron. Uh, Caroline Harris plays Tiffany. Oh, that's Mason's love interest. Uh, William is played by David Carzeal. Oh, Tyler works at the bar as well. He's played by Patrick Baez. And then there's Amanda played by M Mitzi Akaka. Now, the gist of the film is this, right? We follow Nina and Alan, who have just split up and who decided to split everything in their lives 50-50 to avoid any drama that is except for their favorite local bar. Nina and Alan must compete in a ridiculous tavern-style custody battle for their prized watering hole in which lines will be drawn, sides will be chosen, and beers will be drunk. So, yes, that is Bar Fight. Now, right, so we just start off with this seemingly happy couple. And they're having a yard sale, right? And it transpires that they, they're done. They've actually split up, hence the yard sale, right? Now, I think you get a gist of where this film is going at the very beginning because Nina has a staring contest with an old man. And, of course, she wins, right? So, yeah. Now, like... It's a Christmas movie, and I will say, I don't mind this sort of Christmas movie, because it's, it's not Christmas in your face, 
it's just kind of set around Christmas. Like you wouldn't really know it's Christmas if it wasn't for a few t-shirts and jumpers. You know what I mean? So yeah, that's okay. That's all right. It's like the film itself. It's kind of fun at the start. But it's also like you know where this film is going, right? It is rather predictable on that front, right? There's no surprises here. And I, a big thing is it kind of feels like it runs out of steam, right? It felt like it kind of ran out of steam, maybe, I don't know, 45 minutes in. And so then the last third of the film, right, they they try and throw you for a bit of a loop, but it's not really a loop because you can see what's happening, right? And it, it, it's one of those things where then suddenly all this stuff comes up and it's a bit like, I don't buy that that stuff is only coming up now. You know what I mean? And like with these two people, you you just felt that, and it might just be me, right? But I kind of felt that they would have discussed this and they wouldn't have, you know what I mean? It wouldn't have gone where it went because of that. Right, it, it seemed like it's it's not going to go to that place because they know these issues, you know what I mean? So yeah, it, it's a bit weird. We get some dating app action, which again, they didn't really seem a need for. Didn't see a need for, right? That whole part of the film is just like what I don't know why that's here. It, it, it serves no purpose just really for, you know, the Chelsea character to say some ridiculous shit, right? Because what we have, right, is one of those ones where people become single and then everyone's just like, right, go out and fuck everyone. Yeah, write some dick, fuck some hoes. Yeah, that's what you got to do. And it's like... You, you never get, I don't know, man, like maybe take some time for yourself, you know, find, discover like what you're really looking for or just, well, I mean, look, go on a few dates, see if you vibe with any, like you never get that. It's always fuck some pussy. Yeah, man, you need to get railed by some dudes. Like that's, that's the thing. And it's just like, what are we doing? What are we doing? Like, that you don't have to go that route for things to be hilarious, you know what I mean? Shit can still be funny because, like, the whole dating situation is a minefield, right? Stuff will come up, you know. You don't have to just go to that crazy extent, but that's what they do, you know. We've got like characters who are meant to be like the suave ones, we've got others who are meant to be scary, but it's all a little 
Yeah, like bar fight is a bit like Star Trek, right? And I say that because what I mean is, and especially in those like early lot of Star Treks, probably up until maybe Discovery, right? The newest one. But most Star Treks, right, you've got the intelligent guy. You've got the, you know, the authoritative one. You've got the strong one, right? You've got the naive one, right? There's always those character types in every single Star Trek. You know what I mean? And there's other ones, right? But that's what this is. It is taking those archetypes from, you know, like these crazy type of films, you know what I mean? And and just, yeah, transplanting them into this film. But as I said, look, it's it's kind of fun at the start, right? It's, it's not offensive, really. It's just a bit stupid, right? It's just, yeah, the last third gets a little because you know we then get situations that go down right things get said which then seem to kind of work themselves out but it's just like well how did that get worked out right because i don't know right some of these things you think that's not a small thing right that that's if that's to do with business how would you get past that right because someone could do that again you know what I mean so but yeah it's just ironed over right we just skip it and it's just like and you're just like what that's weird you know like the friction between Milan and Chelsea seems rather forced right It, it just there's no real need, right? Like, and, and the thing is, you can not particularly get on with someone, but it doesn't have to be that. You know what I mean? It doesn't have to be that. So I kind of feel, right, bar fight is for those that, but, but possibly I think are fans of um, Harold and Kumar. Right, the Harold and Kumar films. If you enjoy those, you're probably going to enjoy Bar Fight. Right, there was an, a film as well about this couple who started a casino in the house. I cannot remember what the fuck that film was called. I never finished it wasn't terrible, it just, again, a little predictable, right, but, right, from what I've watched, I feel, if you enjoyed that, well, I guess if you know what the fuck I'm talking about, because I don't, but yeah, if you enjoyed that film, people, then I think you will enjoy Bar Fight, and um, if you do, it is available on all your favorite VODs, you know what I mean? Like they do. AMC Plus in the States. Um, so yeah, people, Bar Fight, it is out. 
Okay, people. So now we revisit the fairy tale 15 years later. It's the sequel to Enchanted. It is Disenchanted. Okay, people. So I feel that I liked Enchanted, right? I, yeah, I think there was something about Enchanted, but it, it was 2007 when that came out. You know what I mean? That, it, that was a lifetime ago. Man, yeah, I was definitely into some things then that I am not into now. But yeah, I was intrigued, right? When I heard they were making a sequel, because it was a bit like, where are they going to go, right? What are they going to do? So I thought, you know what, let me let me check it out. There's a lot of things, though, that I forgot about the first one. And then I'm just like, ah, fuck. <laughs> How did I forget that? God damn it, man. What's wrong with me? You know what I mean? Ah, oh, shit. <laughs> but, um... These things happen, you know. These things happen. Unfortunately, it would seem. Um, but yeah, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Right? I think mean, that's the um that's the big thing. But I checked it out, and yes, here's the here's the jig of it all. It is directed by Adam Shankman, uh, written by Bridget, Bridget Halls, right, from a story uh, created by J. David Stern, David N. Weese, and Richard Lagrafesis. Uh, the film is produced by... Let's get into the producers. We got Amy Adams, Barry Josephs, Josephson, and Barry Sonnenfield. Is executive produced by Joe Byrne, uh, Sunil Pukash, and Adam Shankman. And it is co produced by Laurie Corngibilla. Alan Menken handled the music. Simon Duggan, cinematography. Right? Emma E. Hickox and Chris Lebonzon edited the film. Cindy Tolan and Louise Kiley sorted out all the casting. Dan Henna was production design. Art direction, we have Robert Barrett, Till Frohilich, Shane McEnroe, Gary McKinty, Ashling O'Callaghan, Richard Selway, and Greg Shaw. Set decoration, Jack Connolly and Jenny Oman. Joan Bergen handled costume design. And our cast. Well, we have got 
Schultz, um, Amy Adams returning as Giselle, Patrick Dempsey as Robert. Um, we've got James Marsden as Edward and Idina Menzel as Nancy. So in this one, Morgan is played now by Gabriella Baldaccini, Baldaccino, even. Um, and we see a younger version of her who is played by Rachel Duff. We've also got Maya Rudolph as Malvina. Um, her subordinates are played by Yvette Nicole Brown, who plays Rosalind. And Ruby is played by Jema Mays. Um, yeah, Malvina has a son called Tyson, played by Colton Stewart. There's um, Edgar, who runs the coffee shop, played by Oscar Nunez. Alan Tudyk voices the scroll. Um, Pip, the squirrel, is voiced by Griffin Newman. We've got a fairy, played by Brooke Josephson. Um, Sophia is there's two Sophias. So you've got Millie Jackson and Laura Jackson. Oh, Sophia's the baby, obviously. Yes. They use twins. Bum bum bum. There you go. Um Sander is played by Emia Morrissey. Uh, hmm. I think they're basic. That's that's our main crew. Right, we've got Tyson's friends who are played by Alex Bailey, Matt Lenham, um, Mahito Henderson, Kellett Gilhurst, uh, and then there's Ella Gale, Haley Keo, and Jariri O'Hara play a bunch of mean girls. Who um you know aren't giving Morgan a, a good time, but yeah, that's how that people is our main cast. Okay, now um yeah the the songs in this are uh, who wrote them? Um yes, Alan Menken and Stephen Schwartz wrote the songs. Um, for the piece, okay, and the gist of the story is this it has been 15 years since Giselle and Robert wed, but Giselle has grown disillusioned with life in the city, so they move their growing family to the sleepy suburb community of Monroeville in search of a more fairy tale life. Unfortunately, it isn't the quick fix she had hoped for. Suburbia has a whole new set of values, and the local queen bee, Malavina Monroe, who makes Giselle feel more out of place than ever, frustrated that her happily ever after hasn't been so easy to find, she turns to the magic of Andalasia for help. 
accidentally transforming the entire town into a real-life fairy tale and placing her family's future happiness in jeopardy. Now Giselle is in a race against time to reverse a spell and determine what happily ever after truly means to her and her family. Bum, 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 bum. There we go. There we go. Now, Shankman has directed some films that I've really enjoyed, right? Um, well, I mean, mainly one, right? Because I didn't actually mind the Hairspray um, film, right? Well, the second film, because it was an old film, right? So, I, you know, 2007, I enjoyed that, which, um, yeah, came out really the same time as Enchanted. You know what I mean? I enjoyed that. But he also directed A Walk to Remember, which, I mean, I really like that film. That, oh my gosh, is such a great film, right? Such a great friggin' film, man. Um, yeah, Mandy Moore, all of that. So I'm like, yeah, let, let's give this a shot. Let's see what happens. You know, he's, he's done some other big things. Right, Rock of Ages, Bedtime Stories, What Men Want, you know, Cheaper by the Dozen Two, Bring Down the House. They were all pretty big. A Wedding Planner was kind of big, but trash. And he did the recent Hocus Pocus 2. But, yeah, this, this I was a little confused about, to be honest, right? Because, listen... Now, you know, they kind of flipped the script on the whole fairy tale situation, right? Which was the whole deal of the first Enchanted. But I kind of feel that they missed so many opportunities, right? Because they're living in the city, right? And it's just like, oh, it's not what we... It's not what we thought it would be, but it's the city, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just like, obviously, Andalusia is like the countryside, so of course, going from living like a Wharton to now living like Rockefeller, it's going to be different, right? So I think that it, it was kind of an opportunity to show that maybe a fairy tale could be wherever the fuck you want it to be. You know what I mean? And also, right, shit doesn't end once you say, I do. You know what I mean? There's more work you have to put into it. It does, you know, things don't just like that fall into place, right? There, there, there's more to life than all of that, right? That's, that's what I thought this was going to be. You know what I mean? Like them just realizing that, oh, no, the fairy tale was always here. We just got a little complacent, right? We stopped working. We stopped trying. But instead, they just move sticks, right? Move sticks. And it's just kind of that. Now, we get some role reversing and all of that kind of thing. But, yeah, I, I, I thought more could have been done. Right, because it's 
looking at stepmother and, and all of that kind of thing. But I'm just kind of like, I was, I, I, that term always, it kind of bugs me, right? And it's, I think, especially if a parent like has died, is they're not there. Now, it's not to say they never were there, but the new person, they, they, you mean, like, look, if they love you and do all those things, they're, they're the parent now, right? So I think, well, we don't have to put the step in front because they're not a part-time situation, you know what I mean? And so, yeah, some of the things that they did, I just felt, eh, kind of, you know what I mean? It's a little obvious, it's a little lazy, you know, I think the other big thing, though, for me, I forgot Enchanted was a fucking musical. <laughs> I forgot it was a musical. So I'm just watching this and then suddenly motherfuckers start singing. And I'm like, yo, what, 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 what what's happening here? You know, and I mean, the big thing is I hated every fucking song. Oh, my God. God, it was irritating. All the songs were, they just weren't memorable, right? Now, I don't hate all musicals. I, I thought Encanto was great. And those songs were catchy as a motherfucker. You know what I mean? I was all down with those songs. I'm jamming, I'm dancing, I'm grooving. You feel me? But with this... I wanted to plug my ears. I'm just like, these songs are terrible. Just terrible. So, um, yeah, I wish I had known <laughs> going in. Because maybe I would have pulled the cord on this one. I'd be like, nah. Actually, I don't need to watch it. Yeah, I think I'm going to pass. But dumb, dumb me. Is um all about it, so yay! <laughs> oh my gosh, ah man, I don't know, right? I don't know. I think kids, right? I think maybe it's a kid, it's a kids thing, you know. I, you know what I mean? Because I, I think if you're down with the fairy tales and all of that, you're going to think, oh, my gosh, and they did. Oh, look, they reversed the, oh, that's so fun. You know, I do, I, it was, you know, enjoyable when they mixed the animation with the real life and all of that kind of thing, you know. So that's fun. But, yeah, I kind of feel... Is, is, this is for the young family, right? If you've got little five-year-olds, you can sit them down. And, yeah, they, I think they're going to lap it up. But, boy, Jaded asked me, nah. <laughs> it wasn't my jam, man. It wasn't my jam. But, again, though, I just wish they had approached it differently. I think that would have been great. Yeah. But, hey, you know. Can't have everything. It doesn't always have to be for you. You feel me? So, um, yeah. A young fam, I think this, you can sit down. You can enjoy it. It's not offensive. You know what I mean? 
think you'll you'll probably have fun. But yeah, not for me. And people, let's bring it home with a new Netflix joint. It is the film adaptation of Little Nemo, People, Slumberland. Yo, people, so I was really curious about Slumberland, right? Jason Momoa's new big Netflix joint. Yeah, I was curious. So I checked it out, right? Um, now, I didn't know it is actually an adaptation of a comic strip, right? Little Nemo in Slumberland. Huh. I, I don't think I've ever seen this comic. So, yeah, I don't know if it came across the pond. You know what I mean? Maybe it's just a US thing. Who knows? But, yeah. That's what it is, right? It's directed by Francis Lawrence, uh, written by David Guillon and Michael Handelman. Uh, the film is produced by uh, Gino Topping, David Reddy, um. Peter Sherman, and Lawrence himself. It is executive produced by Ray Angelic, David Guillon, Michael Handelman, uh, co-produced by Christopher Sergeant and Cameron McConomy. Pinar Tuprak handled the music, Joe Willems, Cinematography. Um, it's edited by Mark Yoshikawa. Denise Chamain did all the casting. Dominic Watkins, Production Design. Art Direction was Tom Retter. Alexandra Marikovich. Jordan Henderson and Laurel Bergman, uh, Daniel Beert and Jeffrey A. Melvin handled set decoration, and Trish Somerville costume design, hair and makeup. We had Ryan Reed, Colin Penman, Megan DeCicio, and Erica Caceres. Uh, now, our cast, well, you know, as mentioned, we've got Jason Momoa. He plays Flip. We've got Marlo Barkley as Little Nemo, right? Carl Chandler is her father, Peter. Um, and Chris O'Dowd is his brother, Philip. Now, a young Philip is played by Cameron Nichol, and a young Peter is played by Antonio Rain Pastore. We have got Agent Green, played by Worshi Upia, and um, Mrs. Aira, 
who is Nemo's teacher. It's played by India de Belfort. We have Jamal, a classmate, played by Chris de Silva. Um, there's Carla, played by Yana McIntosh. Emmett, played by Jacob Sue. Um, hmm. We've got a Coast Guard woman who we um, see who helps Nemo out, played by Irene Barut, and another one played by Jana Lobetsky. There's Agent Brown, played by Leslie Adlam. Um, we have got Agent Orange, played by Jamelia Rose. Agent Red, played by Tonya Cornelius. I think right then, I guess we would go with Gracila. Played by Humbly Gonzalez. We have the accountant who cops up, played by Michael Blake. Our Canadian guy, played by Isaac Smith. Um, and yeah, that's it. That's our cast, people. The gist of the joint is this Slumberland takes audiences to a magical new place, a dream world where precious Nemo and her eccentric companion Flip embark on the adventure of a lifetime. After her father Peter is unexpectedly lost at sea, young Nemo's idyllic Pacific Northwest existence is completely upended when she is sent to live in the city with her well-meaning but deeply awkward uncle Philip. Her new school and new routine are challenging by day, but at night, a secret map to a fantastical world of slumberland connects Nemo to Flip, a rough around the edges but lovable outlaw who quickly becomes her partner and guide. She and Flip soon find themselves on an incredible journey, traversing dreams and fleeing nightmares, where Nemo begins to hope that she will be reunited with her father once again. So, um, yeah, there you go. Now, Lawrence, he's done a lot of stuff, right? Constantine, which is getting a sequel, which is kind of crazy, right? We've got um, I Am Legend. You know what I mean? So he's adapted books and comics. In the past, you know, he did the uh, Catching Fire and, uh, hmm, was it something Mockingjay? I think that was the last book, right? Did those Hunger Games sequels. He's doing the prequel, right? Didn't really like any of those. What I did like, though, was Red Sparrow. That I, I enjoyed the fuck out of that. So, you know, I was like, yeah, let me check it. Let me check it. And, yeah, I, I I mean, this is, it's big, right? That's the thing with this, man. It, 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 it's big. 
right? And they try and conjure up all of these different things. Yeah, I, I think the interpretation of the nightmare, you know, that that works. That worked for me. That was that was interesting. Right? Do all of these different things. We go all over the place. We fly. You know what I mean? We drive, we crash, we swim, we do all of that jazz. All of it. So we start off with this idyllic existence, you know, Nemo and a dad having fun, learning, playing, you know, but it does feel a little isolated, right? Because there are no other kids. You ain't playing with no one. It's just her and her pops, which you, you're like, all right. I mean, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, playing with some little kids might be a, a good thing. But, you know, all of this. But it's one of those situations where you do know what's coming, right? You do know what's coming. So when a storm hit, and it's like I've got to go and like you go okay okay this is when it all changes you know what I mean and yeah so we get all of this but she's having these dreams you know what I mean she's having these dreams and this is where she stumbles upon flip one day you know what I mean which eccentric right and eccentric like at first it feels like it's eccentric in a forced way look like yo i'm gonna put on this jacket this hat we're gonna yeah look all funky and crazy but as the film goes on it is kind of fun right momoa's character is kind of fun there is that so you're like, all right, fine, 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 fine. I think one, and this is, might sound a bit weird, right? This might sound a little bit weird, but it's the green screens. You know what I mean? It's, it's just like, okay, so they're not really on a boat in the ocean, right? They're not really on the back of a goose. And yes, I know that sounds ludicrous, right? I know, obviously, they're not going to be on the back of a goose, but the problem is, it's it, it's so obvious that it is green screen, right? There's a bit that kind of reminds you of um, Inception. Oh, man, for a minute, I was like, oh, what's, what's the Nolan film, the Nolan film? Inception, right? Um, and you just like, no, oh, this ain't real. Yeah, I mean, this is all CGI. And, and I think that's one of the huge things that a load of these, I mean, most of the dream stuff is all CGI, right? And, and it just kind of throws you out of it a little bit. And that's why I say it's a little crazy because yes, we we know you're not really doing this. Confetti isn't really dancing, but 
you know, you just want to be convinced, right? That you're getting pulled into this world. You don't want anything to kind of throw you off to make you go, ah, it's not real. It's not real, right? You want to escape into this shit. And that's, yeah, that, that, that's the only, that, well, I mean, that's one of the big things that is a little bit, ah, damn it, you know? The film is two hours. I, I feel it is probably a little long. I think it could have been shorter, right? Because you know the beats. You know the beats. You know where this is all going, you know? And there's not really a lot of surprises. I think one of the biggest surprises which they're throwing at you is something that goes down um, two-thirds in, I think, probably. But I think you kind of know, right? You you know what it's going to be before it's revealed. You know, everything is leading to that point. Right, there's what else makes sense, you know what I mean? So that's the thing, it's like, I don't think it could have been maybe an hour and a half. They, I think they could have cut half an hour because a lot of it is just messing around in dreams just to be like, hey, look what we're doing, right? Mm. So we could have cut that out. Now, at the heart of the film, it is that kind of journey home, right? Little Nemo finding her place back in the world and, you know, other characters doing the same, right? It's dealing with that loss, you know, understanding what family is, just all of those kind of jams. And that's all fine, you know? It's a little predictable, but I think, because remember, this is a PG so I, I think it does play for a young audience, right? I think my neighbors, these little kids, man, there's three, four of them, <laughs> little crazy monsters. Oh, man, they're so fun. I think they would love this. You know what I mean? I think it plays for that age group, right? Which is, what, 10? You know, I think 10-year-old is going to eat this up and be like, ah, oh, if I go to sleep, maybe... I can go to Slumberland. Ah, oh, let me, let's all wrap, you know, cotton around our fingers and see if we find each other, right? That, that's what I think it is. That's what I think it is. So I think it will work for that audience for a skeptical old motherfucker. I don't know. It doesn't quite do it, but you can see the fun in there. You know what I mean? You can see the fun in there, you know? So it's fine. It's fine. It's not, it's not terrible, but yeah, yeah, a little long, predictable, you know, throws you out of the magic with the CGI. But as I said, for a younger audience, I think they, I think they'll be able to love it. So, uh, yeah, there you go, people. Slumberland, now on Netflix. Okay, people, so 
just before we bring this episode to a close, let's take a look and see what's happening in the world of film, shall we? All right. So, um, looks like Channing Tatum could be entering to the world of espionage, right? Because he is um, attached to star in Red Shirt. Now, I thought originally that this might be the um, John Scalazzi book adaptation, but no, it's not, right? It's um, being directed by David Leach, and Simon Kinberg is writing the script. Right now, they're saying it's a spin on James Bond, right? And they're hoping it could become a um, a franchise, right? So, uh, yeah, Tatum, Leach, Kinberg, and Kelly McCormick are producing the film, right? Um, so, yeah, we will see what the hell is happening with it. Hasn't got a home as yet, but supposedly it's hot property. So another thing that could be hot property is another new Spielberg film, right? Now, I thought I heard somewhere that Homie was going to retire, but doesn't look like it. So, um, yeah, he's directing a new Bullet film, right? Now, you might recognize Bullet, you know, Steve McQueen. But this isn't going to be a remake. It's just a new story starring Frank Bullet. But this time, because, you know, old McQueen is dead, Bradley Cooper is going to be uh, handling that role. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they're saying it's a modern spin, you know, but no other details are out there. All we do know is um, Josh Singer is writing a script and um, Christy Maskusko-Krieger, Spielberg and Cooper are going to be producing the film. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of interested. We'll see what happens with that. Uh, Timothy Timothy Chalamet, he's um, going to be playing Bob Dylan in Going Electric. Now, this film's been gestating for a minute just because the pandemic got in the way, but it's still moving forward at Searchlight. James Mangold is directing. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's supposedly kind of looking at how Dylan became huge in a folk scene and then went on to rock and roll. And also his interactions with um, Pete Seeger and Joan Baez, right? So um, that could be interesting, you know? That could be interesting. We'll see what happens with it. Um, yeah, so I think it's probably a matter of they've got the uh, music rights as well. That's a big part of it, you know what I mean? Um, another interesting film that could be coming is Moxie. So this is 
being directed by Bert from Bert and Birdie and Troop Zero, right? It's starring Kiki Palmer. And um, the film is written by Heather Quinn. So Palmer, Peter Lawson, and Kate Churchill are producing. So the gist is meant to be this, right? We follow a foul-mouthed stripper who angers the FBI in a big way when she somehow becomes the best candidate for their fancy new agent program. Hmm. How the hell did that happen, right? And let's end with this because next week we will be getting the Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special, right? It's part of the um, special presentation series, which got off to a great start with Werewolf by Night. And I feel, be- and I, you know, supposedly because of that, we'll be getting more of them in the future. But yeah, this Guardian special. I think a lot of people thought it, you know, might be just be a little bit of a fun thing, you know what I mean? But supposedly, it's kind of bridging the gap between films. So, I think you probably don't necessarily have to watch it, but Gun, um, Peter Gun, Peter Gun, is that homie's name? I think it's Peter Gunn. No, it's James. Fuck. Yeah, it's James Gunn, right? Boom. There we go. Um, He's actually said that. You know what I mean? It's basically introducing things that we'll see more of in the third film. Right? But because they're being introduced in this... He won't have to bother going into all that crazy detail in the film. You know what I mean? A bit like the first season of Babylon 5. And if you haven't watched Babylon 5, people, what the fuck are you doing? Do you know what I mean? Because that shit was dope. So, um, yeah. Right? So, I'd forgotten what the fuck happened at the end of The Last Guardians. But here, now they're on Nowhere. Right? Cosmo, the dog is in it which is gonna be that's gonna be good they've got a new shit and there's some other things so you know what i mean i was gonna watch the holiday special anyway you feel me but yeah i'm even more curious to see what the hell happens you know what i mean so there you go people um i think we should have a, a special episode out uh beginning of next week so um yeah until then people enjoy your film watching um yeah peace